Welcome to Bear Creek AG's online service podcast. We're so glad that you tuned in with us today. We upload a new service every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. So we look forward to having you tune in with us again. Here's today's message. Praise God. Um, turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 3 with me. Um, I'm excited about where our church is headed. We just come out of a time of fasting and praying, 21 days of fasting and praying through January, and it's not surprising to me that we're seeing new faces. We're seeing people get saved. Uh, There's excitement. There's energy. The challenge with that is what I preached last week, is how do you maintain a move of God? How do you maintain a revival? How do, you, how, do you, how do you keep focused so that those who God sends our way, we it's not a sense of retaining for the purpose of retaining, but if God orders our steps and He brings us together, hear me, I'm not trying to put anybody to sleep, I'm going to preach, but hear me this morning. Hopefully your coffee is still kicking in there, mine is, all right? So, how, how do we retain? How, for those who are going through hard, how do we minister? How do we do this? And so, we've been going through the book of Acts. The title of this series is Power for the Day. I won't go back and rehash it from October, November. But I believe that the, the church should be operating in the power of the Holy Spirit today, just like they did back in the book of Acts. And so, how do we do that? Today, we're going to get to Acts chapter 3. And, and I'm excited for the day, but I'm also nervous about today because of the nature of this message. Now, as we do, don't forget last week's message. If you weren't here, I'm not going to re-preach it. And everybody all can take a deep breath and say amen. Amen. There you go. Thank you for that moral support. Don't know how to take that. But we look back at how do you maintain it? What, what is, what, in, in, in Acts chapter 2, 42 through 47, is a summary of what was happening. It was a transitional statement, but it also gives us the, the, the model of how the church functioned in the midst of this great move of God. I believe that we're in the preface and the beginning of a great move of God in this church. Well, I've got a few of y'all. I had more amens when I said I wasn't going to re-preach my message, okay? I believe that. In my lifetime, in my pastorate, in my leadership, not for my namesake, not for my glory, but I want to lead or be a part of a great move of God where we see signs and wonders take place. In Acts chapter 2, 42, it gives us the model. It says in verse 42, they devoted themselves to the, gospel, to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, right? The reading of the apostles' teachings and to fellowship and the breaking of bread and to prayer. And then what we're going to see for the next couple of weeks as the Lord shall lead, we're going to see this illustrated in the life of this church. Chapter 3, we're going, to, we're going to learn about the apostles' teachings. Not today, but probably next week, because I'm only going to preach the first couple verses of chapter 3. But we're going to see that. We're going to see how they fellowshiped in chapter 4 and chapter 5. We're going to see how they shared the possessions. And when you look throughout the book of Acts, you're going to find that prayer was a major part of their gathering and for the move of God to, to, to go throughout the world. It's the model. 
In verse 43 it says, And everyone was filled with awe, everyone was filled with awe, at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. So we open chapter 3 and see this amazing story of healing. Why is this story in the Bible? We first have to begin there. Why would God, I mean, as far as we know, this is the first miracle. It is the first miracle recorded in the book of Acts after the baptism of the Holy Spirit. If if you look beyond the the 3,000 people being saved, that's a miracle in itself. But the signs and wonders here is the the first. Why would God put this right after chapter 2? Why would God uh, uh, anoint or lead or inspire the... Luke, who's the author of this book, to write it right here after chapter 2. And I believe it's here to encourage us. It's here to build our faith that we can believe that God is still doing this today. Well, you can look in the Old Testament and you've seen God do miracles. True. From the parting of the Red Sea and through the, through the prophets, things happen. Great miracles happen. Uh, we can see it in the New Testament, can't we? In the, in the life of Christ. We, we see miracles taking place. And then we get to the book of Acts, which is the, is the history of the church. And how, the, how the, it covers about 28 years of the history of the church after the day of Pentecost. So when you start reading the epistles from Peter, and you read the epistles from Paul, it explains how these church, how did the gospel spread? Why are they writing these letters? And that's what Acts does. It's there to help us understand what God wants to do. He did it in the Old Testament. He did it in the New Testament. And I believe he wants to do it today. I do believe this. And I'm not, I'm here to challenge you in what you believe. What do you believe about miracles, signs, and wonders, and healings? See? Because we're told in Hebrews 13 that Jesus is the same yesterday. He's the same today. And he will be the same tomorrow. And I believe that he is doing miracles today, whether we're seeing or not. He is doing and wanting to do miracles. And he will continue to do miracles until the day he returns and defeats his enemies. Amen. God wants to do miracles. What we're going to do is break this miracle down and look at it from three perspectives, three areas, if you would. And the first one is simply this. Prayer and miracles. It's the reason why it's recorded the way it is. God gives us patterns. He gives us how things happen for reasons. I believe that. And then the first thing we have to notice is that prayer was involved with this miracle. There's no denying the, the connection between prayer and miracles. We're going to see it throughout the book of Acts. It's that direct connection between you and I when we come together to seek God, to call upon God, Ask God and God work. Why? Because he's a God who answers prayers. You have to get that in your mind. When you pray, although you may not see the answer right now in front of you, he is moving, he is working, he is answering the prayers that we send his way. So let's look at chapter 3, verse 1. One day, now we don't know how long between the end of chapter 2 or the day of Pentecost, and this took place. It could have been months. We don't know. It could have been just weeks. It could have been the next day. It just simply says, one day... Peter and John were going up to the temple at what time? Time of prayer. At three in the afternoon. Now in Acts 2, it tells us they devoted themselves to prayer. It wasn't their individual prayer time. It was corporate prayer time. And this is so important to the move of God. I believe that that we often get this idea as me and God against the world. 
And when you, when you get that kind of mindset that it's just me and God against the world and I can do it with God's help and I don't need anybody else's help, I think that you are discounting yourself. I think you're handicapping yourself. I really do. You have to understand that God gave birth to the church. Now, does the church look today like it did in Acts chapter 2, 3, 4, 5? Probably not. I don't think it was. It was smaller. It was growing, okay? And, and there's some touch of man to the way the church functions today. I'm not saying that's right. I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm just saying the church as a whole was ordained by God in Acts chapter 2. He commissioned the disciples, you and I included, before chapter 2, but when they waited on the day of Pentecost and the Holy Spirit came and empowered them to be witnesses, 3,000 people were born. The church was birthed that day. It was birthed through prayer, but physically it was birthed on that day. It's God's idea, and he wants us to come together. Yes, there's things that God can do and only do in your private prayer life. Jesus says, go into your closet. There's no denying at home you need to have a private prayer life. You need to have that time in the morning, in the day, afternoon, whenever it was, several times a day if you need to, where you go into your prayer closet and it's just intimate time with you and God. But there's some things that God is only going to be able to do through corporate prayer. When we come together and we seek the face of God, when we come together in agreement and we pray the prayer of agreement over people, when we come together and we lay hands on people, I believe that is the model in the New Testament that God wants us to. But when we don't, we, we, we handicap God, if I can use that term, to where we prevent him from being able to do what he wants to do. We need to come together. What miracles do you need in your life? What miracles would, would we like to see in our church? Imagine what would happen if we gathered regularly for corporate prayer. And once again, I think Pastor Ben is in heaven saying, Amen, preacher, come on. If he was right here today, he'd be, Amen! You know how he was. He understood the power of prayer. Now listen, of all the people who we would think didn't need to go to corporate prayer would probably be Peter and John, wouldn't it? I want you to think about that for just a minute. They, three and a half years, they walked with Jesus. They were taught by Jesus. One of the things they were taught by Jesus was how to pray. They saw Jesus, or they knew Jesus went off to pray. And they, they, they were empowered with the Holy Spirit. Come on, if anybody didn't need to go to corporate prayer, it would be Peter and John. They could say, man, we could just stay home and we're fine. Right? But yet we find them here. On the way to corporate prayer, at the time of prayer. There are two times a day that the Jewish people came to pray. Ten in the morning and three in the afternoon. They're going this afternoon prayer. They're on their way to the temple. They're on their way to the courts of the temple for the afternoon corporate prayer time. What changed? It's interesting to me. And we should be encouraged by this. These two men, just a couple months prior to this, couldn't wait and pray for an hour in the Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus asked them to come and pray. Think about that. The, these guys are committed to prayer. They're on the way to prayer every day. They were going to prayer. They were men of prayer. But just months earlier, they, they couldn't stay awake and pray for an hour. What's the difference? The difference is, is they've encountered the risen Savior. Come on, they encountered the risen Savior that made a difference in their life. And then they were empowered by the Holy Spirit when they were baptized on the day of Pentecost. So now they're infused with this power of the Holy Spirit. And they had come to understand the power of prayer. See? 
You may say, Pastor, I don't know how to pray. Pastor, I, I, I can't pray for very long. Or, Pastor, I don't know what to say. And hear me this morning. God can change you just like he did Peter and John. I'm trying to encourage you today, church. We need to become people of prayer because prayer changes anything. If prayer is truly the catalyst in which God moves in our lives, then we can ill afford not to pray. Prayer is that catalyst. I don't fully understand prayer. Why, God, why do we have to pray? If you know what I need before I ever ask or think it. I, but yet, what did God do? He says, no, this is the catalyst. This is the way that you, we're going to go over some more of this. This is how you get to me and get the answers that you're looking for. It's through corporate prayer. If you have encountered the living Savior and received him as your Lord, then you need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. I'm going to say it again. If you've received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then you need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the helper. He's called that in the New Testament. He is the helper. And, and one of the ways that he helps us is he helps us learn how to pray. He is the teacher. He brings back the Word of God. He helps us. And then there's times when we feel led to pray and we don't know how to pray that he prays through us. And I'm not going to tell you I understand everything about that. But I feel led to pray in a language that I do not know. I'm not going to tell you I understand, but by faith I know it's him. And he's praying through me in a way that I, I do not know how to pray. There's times that he prays through me and I pray in English. He leads me in how to pray. There's times he wakes me up in the middle of the night and I'm praying for you. Or in the daytime, God lays you on my heart. Many of you know that because I'll reach out to you and say, Hey, had you on my mind today praying for you. Hope everything's good. What am I doing? I'm fishing. What am I fishing for? Well, how can I pray for you? He's laid me on your heart. You're on my heart. I'm praying for you. Is there something specific? You, sometimes he just leaves me in how to pray. But that's the power of the Holy Spirit. And that is Peter and John. They came to understand the value of being in the presence of the Lord. Acts 1.14. They all joined together constantly in prayer. Talk about the disciples. Acts 2.42. Last week, just read a few minutes ago. They devoted themselves to prayer. Acts 4.24. When the, they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. In Acts chapter 6, we find a, a predicament where the, the, there, was, there was this Hellenistic uh, uh, widow, Jewish widows. That means that they were, they were not raised in, in, in the Judea. They were raised out in the Roman providence. And, and, but what happened, they had they've come to Jerusalem. They were Hellenistic. They, the Jews would kind of discriminate against them a little bit. And, and those widows weren't being taken care of by the church the way they ought to. So the apostles, they bring it to the apostles. The apostles says, look, we need to dedicate ourselves to prayer and the word. You raise up deacons among yourselves to take care of this situation. Why? They were dedicated to prayer. They needed to do to, to, their attention to be to prayer and the ministry of the word. Over in Acts chapter 10, we find Peter. It's the middle of the day. He's hungry. Lunch isn't ready. They're down there making lunch. So what does he do? He goes to the rooftop and he begins to pray. It says about noon, Peter went up on the roof to pray. What's your point, pastor? These men, these women were people of prayer. They understood the power of prayer. They understood if you don't pray, you don't get your prayers answered. Well, God knows about it. Take it up with God. He said you're supposed to pray. You're supposed to pray. See? Jesus said, ask. 
That's a prayer, isn't it? When you ask, when you ask Jesus, when you ask God, and you will receive. Prayer is the key to receiving anything we need from God. The first miracle in the book of Acts happened on the way to prayer meeting by men of prayer who had already been praying. Prayer, you cannot take it out of this miracle, or any miracle for that matter. When you and I pray together, powerful things will happen. Second thing I want to point out about this miracle is the power of Jesus' name in this miracle, in all miracles. The power of Jesus' name. We pray. How do we pray? We pray in the name of Jesus. Verse 2. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful. Where he, this is inside the temple. Where he was uh, put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. Now look. We don't know much about this man. This, is, this and a few other verses give us a little picture of this man's life. What we know is that since birth he's never walked. Put yourself in that picture. Put, that, put yourself there. He's not walked. Can you imagine not walking? Can you imagine not being able to play baseball or football or soccer or being able to go to school or being able to do anything? Since birth, he's never been able to walk. Because he's not been able to walk, he's not had a way to make a living. He couldn't hold, handle a job. He had been taught no skills. So he was relying either on friends or family every day to take him to this. And he literally had to beg and he relied upon what anyone would give him. He's not married. Well, Pastor, how do you know this? In their culture, he would not be marryable. I know that's not a word. Forgive me, teachers. He wouldn't. Who would want to hook their cart onto an ox that doesn't walk? Things may be different in our culture today. That's not true then. This man had no life. Verse 3, when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. He asked them for what he asked everybody else. Do you have alms for me? Can you help me out? Can you lend a brother a dollar? Come on, can you throw me a bone? If he didn't get anything, he might not have anything to eat that evening. It was important. He's a beggar. I need your help. Peter looked straight at him, as did John, and then Peter said, look at us. That's kind of an odd statement. I, I believe personally what's happening in this moment is that when Peter and John see this beggar and he sees them, I believe at this moment that Peter is discerning the Holy Spirit. That word there looked Luke is primarily, outside of Luke, it's only used one other time in the New Testament. And it's a, it's a word to mean intently. To look at someone, to stare intently. And, and I believe what he's doing, he's looking at this lame man, and he's discerning the Spirit. He sensed in his spirit, God wanted to do something. Maybe he wasn't too sure about what God wanted to do. And he's looking at him. He said, look back at me. I, I've got to figure out what I'm drawn to you right now. Uh, it's possible that they passed this man more than once a day. It's possible they passed him more than once a week. I, I don't know. I don't want to read more into it. But obviously, either this they did every day and wasn't led, or this is the first day the Holy Spirit brought their attention to this man but he said look at us and he's discerning you know what I mean if you've ever been used as this Holy Spirit to minister to somebody it's that moment when you get down there and it's like whoa I feel sense like God is wanting to do something I, but I want to make sure it's God I, I want to be a part of what God's doing but I don't want to do something that God's not up to and, and what is it specifically they've come down for prayer for the, the, the pain in their knee but I'm sensing something and, and it's like oh God are you sure that's it 
God, are we sure? Are you speaking to me right now? If you've ever been used of God, you know it's not doubt. It's the sermon. It's saying, I want to make sure that I'm doing what God wants me to do this morning. I don't want to pray the wrong way. I want to pray leading. And that's what's taking place right here. Uh, Lord, is it really money that we give him? Or because we don't have any money. Why would you cause us to cross paths at this moment? Father, your spirit is leading. What do you want me to do? I believe that's what's happening here. In a split second, when Peter and John initially look at the lame man, that God impressed upon their hearts that he wanted to heal this man. And so Peter heard the voice of God, and he acted. Verse 5. That's important for us today. We've got to start acting. I'm getting ahead of myself. Just keep that in mind. We've got to start acting. I don't mean acting the fool or acting the part. I'm talking about taking action. So the man gave them his attention. Look at me, Peter says. Look at me. And he gave him his attention, expecting to what? Oh, good, this guy's going to give me something. He's going to give me some money. Mm -mm. Then Peter said, silver or gold do I not have, but what I have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of where Nazareth walk. How does the miracle happen? It's in the name of Jesus. There's power in the name of Jesus. There's power in the name of Jesus. There's power in the name of Jesus. Do not use that name lightly. Do not use that name in vain. Use it as you would a, a loaded weapon or a sharp sword. Come on, somebody. There's power in that name. Oh, there's po unlimited power in the name of Jesus. Do you believe that today, church? And your faith failed you or something. We have to believe that there's still power in the name of Jesus. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. In verse 16, Peter explains this miracle. Listen to Peter. Pete, the miracle was done through Peter. Done through Peter. And listen to his explanations. They walk into the temple and this guy is dancing and, and praising God. And they're, they're astounded to what happened. Come on, let your faith arise this morning, my friends. We're going to see miracles at the end of this service today, okay? I don't want to make you nervous. I know we got some new folks coming. we got some that um, they're, they're not Pentecostal. We're trying to bring them in to believe. We're trying to build their faith. Don't be scared. I'm not, listen, we're not going to make anybody do anything you don't want to do. I promise you. I promise you, you're in a safe environment today. I want to preach the Word of God, the truth, and I want to preach it as God would have it preached. This isn't me. It's the Holy Spirit. We have to become people of God again, people of the Spirit of God, and believing that God will do exactly what He says He will do in His Word. If we can put our faith that He's going to save our souls when we die, we can put our faith that He wants to heal our bodies in this world and do other things in our life. Why? Because the same Word that you believe that you're saved and go to heaven, He speaks about these things. I'm passionate a little bit this morning. I don't apologize. Verse 16 explains the miracle. By faith in the... By faith in the... This man whom you see and know was made strong. It wasn't me. It was the name of Jesus. It is Jesus' name. And what? The faith that comes through him. Whose faith? Our faith. Through him. Our faith and believing what he said to be true is our faith in the power of Jesus. We're a part of the miracle. We have to step out and believe. we got to step out and speak. But if the miracle is done through the name of Jesus and our belief in what we pray in that name. Come through him that has completely healed him. Completely healed him. As you all can see. It's in the name of Jesus. 
When you go through chapters 3 through 5, the name of Jesus repeatedly mentioned. I won't, I'll, I'll save you the boredom, but just go through and look at that. It's a very important spiritual principle. Peter told the people, we didn't do it. It's not my godliness. It's not my level of spirituality. Come on. It, 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 was, it wasn't us. It's, it's not who we are. It's not what we can do. It's through the name of Jesus and the faith that comes through that name that this man was healed. This is a spiritual principle. How, what is a spiritual principle? Principle is not something that's stated one time. It's something that is stated repeatedly, and, and we get examples of it. And we're going to look at that. Turn your Bibles to John chapter 14. Because Jesus, on the night that he betrayed, some of the last words he spoke repeatedly to his disciples for us, because it was important, is how to pray. Hear me. John chapter 14, verse 12. He says, Very truly I tell you, now, we had this discussion another Wednesday night in my Bible study about being very true. That, mean, that doesn't mean Jesus was lying at any time. He said, wake up. Pay attention. You've kind of dozed on me a little bit, uh, Peter. I need you to wake up, John. Hey, hit your brother, Andrew. Hey, Thaddeus, come on. I want your attention here. I don't want you looking over there. Quit playing with the sticks. Quit drawing in the dirt. Truly, I tell you, you need to hear this. This is important to you today. So if you're in here this morning, I want you to listen to what Jesus is telling you today. This is an anointed word for you today. And this is what he said. He said, very truly, I tell you, whoever... Oh, not just Peter, not just the apostles, not just your pastor, but whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. You and I, he has called us to do the same works that he did. What do we see Jesus doing? He had proclaimed the gospel. We are called to proclaim the gospel, the good news. We're called to perform miracles. We're called to lay hands on people who are sick and they will be healed. We're called to raise the dead. We don't give a chance for people to be raised from the dead anymore. We're so quick to, and I'm not going to, but I'm just saying, we're supposed to be praying in God through us, our faith, raising the dead, giving sight back to the blind. Jesus was big about that. We have people in our church whose sight is not whole. I'm believing, I'm praying that God's going to restore sight to the blind eyes in this church today. There are backs that are bad. I'm believing that God is going to heal the backs, the weak backs today in the name of Jesus. He cast out unclean spirits. I'm telling you, one-third of the sicknesses in the New Testament were because of demonic activity in the person's life. That doesn't mean you are demon-possessed. You could be. I don't know, all right? Some of you I wonder about. But definitely a third of the miracles that Jesus performed, he was casting out or casting off unclean spirits. We're called to do that in the name of Jesus. That's the mission of the church. Jesus left and he said, this is your baby now. I'm going to give you my Holy Spirit. I'm going to empower you with the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to tell you right now, this is your mission. Now listen, I'm going to ask everybody. I know we have some gifts in the house. If you don't have to get up, don't get up. If this word is from God today, we need to be attuned to what the Holy Spirit's saying today. I, I'm not, I know, I understand. I started early. So we don't stay here late. But if revival breaks out, we may not see the Super Bowl. You say, well, I'm not, I don't care. Well, we might, might not have any coffee or a break this afternoon. I'm not here to earn a paycheck. I'm not here to babysit or entertain you either. I'm here to give you the Word of God. I'm not here to hurt your feelings. 
I know if your bladder's weak, go. I get it. But if you start feeling a little uncomfortable, don't get up and leave. Start feeling something you're not used to, don't get up and leave. Jesus said, anyone who has faith in me will do what he has done. He said, continuing, and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. Why? He's going to the Father. Why did he have to go to the Father? So he could send the Holy Spirit. And I will do whatever you ask in my name. So that the Father may be glorified. That's key. We're going to get to this in a minute. At the end, glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. It's a powerful statement Jesus made right there. You will ask anything in my name, and I'll do it. Now, I know what some of you are doing in your minds right now. You're putting conditions on it. You put qualifications on it. Did he really mean that, Pastor? See, it's kind of like when we get, you ever, you're on medications? I'm on, hi, my name's Tony and I'm on meds. <laughs> get my blood pressure medication. And, you know, you, you, you look and you open the flap and it's like all the small print and there are side effects of, you know, what? My right arm could fall off? What? Why did I read that right? And, and what we do is, what we do is, we start putting conditions on the medication. It says what it can do, and then it says what it might do, and what it might not do. There's no guarantee in it, see. Unfortunately, we do that with, with powerful scriptures like this. We try to put limitations, or we try to put conditions on what Jesus said. And Jesus didn't do that. Peter didn't do that. And this man was healed, see. What we do is say, Jesus said that, but... But he didn't really mean anything we ask. What we try to do is make the statement safe. Or make what Jesus said line up with what we see or what we don't see. That's important. Jesus was very clear. And the only restrictions I can see from Scripture, that any parameter that you could put on the Scripture is this. We cannot make God do anything that's not His will. I've studied it. I've studied the scripture. We, we want to put, well, if you jump on your left foot, if you walk around the church, if you cut the pastor's yard, which I think God will bless you if you take care of my yard. As a joke, I don't have any grass. All right? But, but that's what we try to do. We try to make it safe. We try to set it up for our disappointment. What disappointment? What if I ask and he doesn't do it? Been there before? Something you really believe for? Yeah. Look, there's nothing safe about, safe about what Jesus said here. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. It stands on its own without any qualifications, without any explanation, without any conditions. Other than we have to pray according to God's will. This is the power of of coming to God, the Father, in the name of the Son, Jesus. We have to understand the power in this spiritual principle. There's power in that wonderful, wonderful name of Jesus. In case we don't get it in John 14, 
Turn over to John 15. Say, are you sure, Pastor? Well, I told you, principles based upon many scriptures. John 15, verse 16 says, You did not choose me. Are y'all enjoying The Chosen, by the way? I have fallen in love with that series again and again and again. I know many of you are. You know, and I know some people are kind of taking, well, Pastor, is that really biblical? We had a great discussion last night, my wife and my son and I, and I'm trying to help them explain. I'm almost quoting the scripture in the story before Jesus says it, or the disciples. Like, we, we watched the one last night, season two, with Nathaniel, the disappointment, and Jesus says, I saw you underneath the fig tree, yeah. right? I, I saw you. In you, there is no guile. There, there's no deceit. Okay, that, that's scripture. Some of it's just a backstory that they're trying to make it to grab you. But it's, this, is, this is some good stuff. I'm not saying, hey, quit church and make that your Sunday morning sermon. I'm just saying it's good to addition to what you're getting here, the meat you're getting here. See. He says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. I want to be a fruit bearer. But I want to be a fruit bearer that the f- good fruit remains. When we see people saved in our church, I want to disciple you so that the fruit of the salvation in your life bears good fruit in you. That remains. Sometimes the fruit is born and then it, it, it goes away. It's not good fruit. Okay, I'm not preaching that, but there you go. You'll hear me say that a lot of times. I say that a lot when I pray for people. I want to be a good fruit, a fruit that remains. It's right here. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. Whatever you ask in my name, whose name? Jesus' name. Who gives it to us? The Father. We pray to God the Father in the name of the Son by the power of the Holy Spirit. And all that God does, God does. We pray to God the Father and the authority of the name of Jesus. And when we pray according to the will of God, then he, the Holy Spirit will come and do what God wants to do, what we've prayed. I want you to understand this. This is the mechanics. This is the engineering. This is whatever term you want to use of prayer. It's not hard. Okay? It's not hard. Go to chapter 16 with me. Good news is it's only 1130, folks, and I'm almost done. Isn't that great? We'll leave it up to the Holy Spirit to do the rest. I'm believing, did I tell you I'm believing in miracles today? I want your faith built. That's why I'm taking my time and doing some teaching here. John chapter 16, verse 23. In that day... What, what is that? The backstory that Jesus is still speaking here. The day that Jesus resurrects from the dead and sends to the Father. In that day. That's what that day is. He says, in that day, when I'm no longer here, when I've gone to the Father, in that day, you will no longer ask me anything. Why? He's not here. He's talking to his disciples. This is a conversation. They're bodily together. In that day, what day? He just talked about he has to die. He has to go to the Father. He says, in that day, you're not going to ask me anything. Very truly, I tell you, there again, pay attention. This is important. This is key. My Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. So you're not asking me anything because I'm gone. But whatever you ask my Father in my name, He will give you. Until now, you've not asked for anything in my name. Why? He's with them. Oh, it's like me going, hey, J.W., in the name of J.W., will you get me this or that? No. They were learning. They are disciples. Watch the chosen. By the way, Mr. Dallas, you can give me royalties for that if you want to. All right? He's the one who wrote it and produced it not. Or join a small group. They've got a small group that's going through that. All right. You've not asked anything in my name. Ask and you receive and your joy will be complete. This is all part of the same conversation. Are you with me? I know y'all want me to run the aisle and shout. And I've been told not to get off the platform and jump down anyways. Okay, so I'm trying to obey my wife. 
But I want you to get this, church. God is moving across this nation, across this world, but there's things happening in this nation. There's revival breaking out. There's a story. Jesus is coming soon. He's coming soon, and he wants to do it, I believe, one more time. Call in the masses so that they can receive him as Lord and Savior. Because it's his will that none should perish. He wants everybody to go to heaven when he comes. Part of the same conversation. He's about to be betrayed, and Jesus wants his disciple to get this. It is vital that they understand this principle. Why? Because it is true and vital to the ministry of the church. Ask anything in my name, and my Father will do it. Do you believe this? That's the question we have to ask ourselves. Do you believe this? And if you don't, why? Because Jesus said it over and over. And if it's not for today, then let's take everything after the Gospels and say, forget it. Man, what you believe determines how your life turns out. Okay? I wrote this. Could it be our theology isn't being shaped by the words of Jesus? But has been shaped by the disappointments in our lives and by the doubt that that's created and by a dead faith. We'll say something. We'll step way out over here, okay? I'm going to go over here to the right side. How can you believe that when you die, you're going to go to heaven? You can't believe that Jesus wants to heal you today. Which is greater. Which is a greater miracle. It might be that we don't know how to pray. It might be that we're not praying. And it may be that some things God is not going to do in your private prayer time, but he's going to do in a corporate prayer time. Private prayer time is for you. When I'm in my private prayer time, I'm praying for you, but I'm praying, I'm praying in a relational situation with God. God, I adore you. God, I love you. When I come on Monday nights to pray, it isn't about me. We're, we're, we're bombarding heaven for a move of God in every one of your lives and for the miracles that you need in your life. For salvation, most importantly. I can tell you right now, as long as I'm saved, that's all that matters to me. Because this old body is getting old and wore down and I can pray and God will heal it. But sooner or later, it's going to return to dust if the Lord doesn't come back. And I'm going to be with Him in heaven. Someone need to hear that today. As you receive and your joy will be complete. You know what gives me joy? You know what gives most Christians joy? Is when our prayers are answered. Isn't it? Your joy is complete. That's what he's saying right there. See, Is, is when we see God answer our prayers, we become joyful. The reason so many Christians don't have joy is because they don't have answered prayers. And for many, it's because you're not praying. Even James says you don't have because you've asked not. Now look, I'm challenging some of you where your theology is today on the Word of God. I know that. You may be your first Sunday or second Sunday or third Sunday. You just started since, coming since the first year. You may be watching online. And I'm challenging you. And, 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 and I, that's all I want to do today is bring you to the Scripture. And you're going to have to decide for yourself what you believe. I'm going to take Jesus at his word. That's my choice. Ask Jesus. Ask in his name. Essentially that what that means is when you ask something in Jesus' name, I want you to understand this. It essentially means Jesus or God, I'm praying in Jesus' name what I feel like your will is in this situation. I told you you can't make God do anything against his will. Say it. 
How do we know what Jesus will, would do? How do we know what Jesus would do in any situation? We go back to the Word of God. When he encountered sick people, what did he do? When he encountered people who were demon-possessed or oppressed, what did he do? When he came against people who were hungry, what did he do? <clears throat> what would Jesus do? WWJD. It makes sense, doesn't it? We ran that into the ground back in the 90s, but it makes sense. How we, do we know what God's will is? That's what God's will is. We can know the will of God the Father because what is in heaven is what He wants to do on earth. We have to understand that. Jesus said, pray to God your Father, our Father who art in heaven. He eventually says, thy will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. God wants His will done here on earth as it is in heaven. What is His will? Well, let me ask you, are there any unsaved people in heaven today? And the Bible says, it's my will that none should perish. He wants everybody. Are there sick people in heaven today? No. What do we say? Ooh, they, they're, 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 they're leaping, they're jumping, they, know, they got breath in their lungs, they're no longer struggling. Are there people bound in heaven today by demonic power? No, they're set free. There's freedom today in heaven. That's what God's will is in heaven, and He wants that here on earth. And He's asked us, in a spiritual sense, to bring the kingdom of God here. One day physically, it will be set up at the end of the great tribulation period. He will rule. We will rule with Him for a thousand years from Jerusalem on this earth. But until then, we are preparing the coming of the Lord. Our lamps are supposed to be filled with oil and lint. We should be looking for the bridegroom. Our garments should be white and spotless without wrinkle, looking for it, preparing his way, telling the gospel, healing those who are sick, all delivering those who are demon-possessed. That's what we are called to do. We're not here to just sit here and occupy. I say it all the time. He didn't save us to be safe. He didn't save you to go to heaven. That's a benefit. He saved you to be dangerous. To take on the gates of hell, even if he only gives you a squirt gun and a bucket of water. Because he said, it's not going to prevail against my church. The gates of hell will not prevail. See, what we do, sometimes we focus on God. Too. Not, we don't focus on God, we focus on ourselves. We focus on ourselves, which hinders the will of God. What do I mean by that is you focus on your limitations. You don't think you're spiritual enough. You know what sins you're committing. Present tense. Okay? Who am I to ask God to do anything? I'm not perfect. I'm a sinner. And, and you get misinformed about the idea that you're performing the miracle. See? I've struggled with this this week. God, who am I? I'm not really seeing people healed that I'm praying for, God. I have, but I haven't in a long time. Well, shouldn't say a long time. Recently. Who am I, God? You know my doubts at times. You know my sin th things I'm thinking, my anger, my frustration. God, those sheep, they stink. They bite. They're rebellious. They run off. They fight amongst themselves. They talk bad about me, Lord. God had to get my attention and remind me it's not about you. It's about him and what he wants to do. He's looking for vessels. All I'm required to do is to live my life in obedience to him and whatever he leads me to do, say it and do it. 
In verse 12, Peter says to the people after the man is healed, why do you stare at us as if we did this? We didn't do this. Now that, that doesn't mean we can live an ungodly life and, and God will perform miracles through us. I don't think that's what, that, I don't think that's what Peter intends is here. He's saying at the end of the day, it's not my godliness and it's not my power that healed this man. It's not me. I'm just a vessel. I'm just a conduit. What we have to do is we have to be bold. We have to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We have to intently sense what God is trying to do. And then we have to step out and be bold. We, we can't just be lazy. We can't just sit around. We can't doubt. We have to be bold. Power follows boldness. You are empowered with the Holy Spirit to do what? To be bold. To be a witness to get out there and touch the lives of the people who are, lo who are lost, who are hurting, who need delivering. It's not that because you've excelled in serving others or you've got this great reading Bible program. It's God at work in you. It's because of Jesus' name and the faith that comes through that name. We just have to be bold. We have the conduits. Notice what Peter says to the, to the man. Silver and gold I don't have. I don't have it. But what I have, I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. He didn't pray there. I'm, I'm, I'm landing it. I'm landing it. My third point is very brief, so this is just my second point. But I want you to get this. Peter didn't pray there. He didn't say, um, Father God in heaven, uh, would you please, if you have the time, if it's your will. No, he knew it's God's will for this man to be healed. He declared, he made a declaration. Take up your bed and walk. Get up on your feet. You're not moving fast enough. I said get up. Sometimes we may have to help people, right? He says get up and he helped him to his feet. And once the man realized his legs were healed, they were strong, what did he start doing? He starts praising God and running. Woohoo! Yeah, baby! Look at me! Look at me! God, heal me! Praise God! Why? Because Peter stepped out and he declared it. I believe we have to come to the place, you have to come to your place in Christ, your growth in Christ, in your maturity, Lord, where you move from requesting in your prayer life to declaring in a situation. What we pray on Monday night, we pray for. But when we come in here on Wednesdays and Sundays, we start declaring it. We've been praying for salvation, now we're declaring salvation. We've been praying for healings, now we're declaring healings. We've been praying for deliverance, now we're declaring deliverance. We've been praying for provision, now we're declaring provision. Why? Because we've been in a group of prayer warriors. We've been praying and believing. And because of the boldness of the power of the Holy Spirit, we know what God's will is. And now we declare it in the name of Jesus. We take authority. It's not that we have that power. It's the power of God through us. But he says, you are my tool. You are my conduit. And when you step out in faith, you release me to do what I want to do. Amen. Scary though, isn't it? But what if? Re re no! What if you don't pray? What if you don't declare? You won't have miracles. You won't have answers. That's what we've settled for. We've got to move to declaring in those situations the will of God. Well, how will I know? How will I know? You walk in the Spirit and you step out and you do it. Power follows boldness. If we don't pray, we're not going to get anything. No answers. The final point as the worship team comes back up. Boy, I'm giving the Holy Spirit the time frame now, aren't I? 
It's usually me getting it at 11.30, 11.45. God, you're going to have to do what you got to do. Prayer and miracles, the name of Jesus and miracles. And finally, let's look at evangelism and miracles. Verse 7. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and he instantly, the man's feet and ankles became strong. It wasn't the man's faith. It was Peter's faith. He jumped to his feet, and the faith he had in the name of Jesus. He jumped to his feet, began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. I don't know about you, but if I was in, the, in there, one of those people that just walked by him, and I gave him alms, I'd be saying, isn't that the guy that I just gave $5 to? But they knew. For over 40 years, this man had never walked. They knew. They knew. He was jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Everyone was amazed and they gathered around Peter. And what does Peter do? He presents the gospel. He says, why are you looking at us? We didn't do this. It's not my holiness. It's not my godliness. It's not my power. They do it in my name. It's the name of Jesus this man healed and the faith that comes through that name. And he pointed everything back to God. And when he did, God received the glory and an opportunity to evangelize, to share the gospel presented itself. We'll talk about that maybe next week. What? Here we go. What was the purpose of of the miracle it wasn't so the man could walk it benefited the man it's so that God would get the glory let your light shine before all men that they may see your good works and do what? glorify your father in heaven the man who was laying by the pool and his disciples approached Jesus and said why is this man lame? is it because he sinned? Or is it because his parents said, get beyond all that? Jesus, no, it's neither. It's so that God would be glorified and he healed the man. He healed the man. I had this conversation with my wife last night. We're believing, declaring healing over her body. And mine for that matter. I'm just about as broke down as she is right now. Why do you want to be healed? And at first, it's like, well, I want to feel better. I want to have strength in my legs. I don't want to be fatigued all the time. I want to be able to do what I used to do. And I said, that's the wrong reason. And, and she understood when we got finished. It wasn't she being selfish. But we often look at it from that perspective. It's what's in it for me. And God says, don't look at it what's in it for you. I've got you taken care of. i got you. I want to do things in and through you so that those who don't believe will glorify my Father and these were, these were religious people. These were religious people. They, were, they went to the temple to pray. They just hadn't been, most of them hadn't been introduced to Jesus, Messiah. We want the stories they've heard. The man that they know was crucified, who was dead for three days and rose again. What we want is for them to know it's through his name and power, not through mine, see? It was all for God's glory. The miracle drew the people in, but the miracle was the focus, wasn't the focus of the message. Sharing the gospel was the message.
I entitled this message, Let the Miracles Begin. It's the first recorded miracle after the day of Pentecost. And I want it to be the launching point. I can't heal you. I can't. I can't heal you. My part is not to heal you. My part is by faith in the name of Jesus to declare it. I'm here to declare healing in the house today. Is it God's will for you to be healed? You have to decide that for yourself. If you've been sick a long time and it hasn't manifested and that you are making excuses, well, maybe God just doesn't want to heal me. I told you, I don't understand everything about prayer and healing. I've got, I've got letters after my name. I've got parchment on the walls. I've been studying God's Word for 20-something, 30-something years. Don't understand it. I just know He says to do it and to declare it. Now what you have to do is you have to have faith in that name. Like I have faith in that name. And believe it. Because I'm here to declare it over you. So as they lead us in worship, the service is not over. Give us just a little longer if you would. I ask for the worship at the end. Because honestly, I didn't want their voices wore out. But I believe God's getting ready to do something in here today. But I also want to set the atmosphere for the worship. I'm ready to pray for you. I'm ready to declare, brother, God's healing over you. So if you're here this morning, and I need my prayer team, if you'll come quickly. I didn't brief y'all on this, but just stand up here. If you're here this morning, physically need healing you emotionally need healing whatever healing means to make whole what healing means make whole God wants you whole physically he wants you whole emotionally he wants you whole spiritually if you need that today I want you to come because we're going to declare your healing pastor I don't want to have to share anything with you you don't all you got to say is my body, or I have a relationship with you, or there's something going on in, in my mind. I need, I need a touch. I feel, whether it's fear, depression, it doesn't matter. I'm just ready to clear your heat. And you walk out of here whole today. I'm not going to lie, that's kind of hard to say. I believe today you're going to be whole when you leave. If you need prayer, let us pray for you. Thank you for joining our podcast. Here at Bear Creek AG, our goal is to help others know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. Have a great week.